Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 458. We're back again with an episode talking about my Alaska cruise on Royal Caribbean Serenade of the Seas. Finally made it back to Alaska, and today I'm talking about what it was like sailing to the last frontier. Here we go. So I have to apologize for a couple of weeks of missing podcast episodes. There were a couple of reasons for that. And I also apologize for my voice sounding a little bit different today. I am getting over COVID. More on that in next week's episode. But today, I wanted to talk about our Serenade of the Seas seven-night cruise to Alaska. We were actually booked on a back-to-back, didn't make the second leg due to COVID. Again, we'll talk about that in next week's episode. But I did want to talk about the fact that we did get to see at least one week on board the Serenade of the Seas and visit Alaska. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, Alaska is everything I had hoped it was. I mean, I remember it being obviously amazing when we went on there in 2018 and we had tried to go in 2020 and 21 didn't happen, but we finally made it back here in 2022. And I got to tell you, if you take nothing else away from this episode, it is that Alaska is absolutely amazing, wonderful, must do. If you haven't gone yet, make plans to go. It is that impressive. So we had booked Serenade of the Seas. It's a round trip, seven night cruise out of Vancouver. And, uh, we actually booked this cruise a long time ago. We have found this to be a good deal. The reason why we picked Serenade and not another cruise out of Seattle was for a couple of reasons. Number one, Serenade had a more varied itinerary. It went to di- different ports we had not been to compared to the cruises out of Seattle. It was also significantly cheaper to go on Serenade of the Seas. And number three, we had actually managed to book an amazing cabin on board. We booked a panoramic uh, ocean view room, which was actually the converted old suite lounge on Serenade. So it's a one of a kind room. It was two bedrooms. So it provided plenty of space for our family and it was a great rate. So we figured why not go for it? And ultimately, you know, we wanted to be able to spend as much time in Alaska as possible. Oh, I would have preferred to spend every single day in port. There were a couple of sea days, but you know, this was offered us many more time in port with the different uh, visits than there would have been if on a cruise ship that sailed out of Seattle. Now, of course, the downside of flying out of Vancouver is you've got to get to Vancouver, right? And being in the U.S., there are not nearly as many flights to Vancouver direct as there are to Seattle. Now, as somebody who absolutely hates flying, I'm petrified of it, I only do direct flights. I don't do connecting flights. So we chose to fly into Seattle two days early and then pick up a rental car and drive across the border to Vancouver. Originally, we were going to take the train, but the train is not running because of COVID. Uh, The cross-border train, you could have taken the train from Seattle to whatever the last city is in Washington, and then take a bus provided by Amtrak across. But I just didn't really feel comfortable doing that. And it would have taken a lot longer. And I just, yeah. So we ultimately decided to rent a car, which actually ended up being a really good idea in the grand scheme of things. It was not a cheap idea. Uh, Unfortunately, you can't do one-way rental cars uh, right now. So, you know, you have to, yes, I had to pay for the car to be parked uh, in Vancouver, which actually wasn't that expensive, but you're paying for a lot of days of a car that's sitting in a parking lot that you're not using. But I wanted maximum flexibility, and this is what that gave me. Plus, I wanted to be able to just, you know, hop my own car, drive myself, be able to stop where I wanted to along the way. So I valued the flexibility a rental car provided over the additional cost. Not everyone will see it that way. And by the way, if you're wondering, the other issue with the connecting flight was that there was like five-hour turnarounds, uh, layovers, I should say in from seattle to vancouver so the drive is only about two hours and some change from seattle to vancouver so i just 
didn't see the value in sitting in the airport for like a number of hours, blah, blah, blah. You all get that. So uh, that's what we went there. So we came in two days early, which was a great idea. There were two reasons for that. One, we wanted to adjust to West Coast time a little bit easier. And number two, we wanted to ensure that there were no travel delays. And number three, we wanted to also be able to explore uh, Vancouver. We'd never been to Vancouver before and wanted some time to be able to, you know, enjoy what Vancouver has to offer. So for this cruise, we also stayed at the Pan Pacific Hotel, which is actually in the same building as Canada Place, which is where the cruise ships go out of. I had heard very good things about this hotel. And the best reason to stay at the Pan Pacific is that on the day of your cruise, you just call Bell Services and they take your luggage from your room directly onto the cruise ship. That's a huge benefit, especially for a family. We have a lot of luggage. It made it so much easier. So a nice little benefit there. Certainly could have saved some more money if we saved in another hotel. But we figured, why not? We're going to be cruising out of here. There's a cruise package. We did that. Easy peasy. And we were off to the races. Vancouver's a beautiful city. We did a lot of exploring. I, I really enjoyed uh, checking out the different sites. There was great food in Vancouver. We actually had some pretty good weather. In fact, the entire week, we had very nice weather in both Vancouver and Alaska. It was very un-Vancouver and Alaska-ish <laughs> in the sense that it very rarely rained. And when it did, it was just you know, like misting, not really downpours or anything like that. So we got incredibly lucky with the weather. You know, we had great temperatures. We were going, of course, this was in the first week of June. And so the temperatures really cooperated. Basically, people said that we had like, you know, July weather with June temperatures, which was really comfortable. And it, it was just a pleasure to be outdoors. And it was just everything I could have hoped for in terms of, of, of the outdoor experience there. But I got to tell you that if you're in Vancouver, you definitely want to see all the major sites there. There's the great parks, great dining. It's an easy town to walk around. And that's the great thing about our hotel is that it was very easy to get around. We did use Lyft a couple times to get from, you know, point A to point B. It was a little longer than we would have liked. But, you know, they have great mass transportation in Vancouver as well. So it was a great city. And uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. Actually, I enjoyed Vancouver a lot more than I did Seattle. We went out of Seattle uh, back in 2018. So for what it's worth, that's what it worked out to. So getting on board the ship. The good news was our cabin was amazing. This was room 1054 on Serenade of the Seas. And again, this is a very special cabin. Uh, the room was ready about uh, 2 p.m. I think the rooms were ready on that. So we had a two-bedroom panoramic ocean view suite. So basically, it is a two-bedroom suite. There's two bedrooms. Uh, each bedroom is, you know, the master bedroom is basically, you know, kind of a standard cabin, if you will. The master bedroom has its own, uh, his own bathroom. Whereas the secondary bedroom has a bathroom that's attached to the main area, not attached to the bedroom. And then you have a living space in between. And then, of course, you have these floor-to-ceiling windows, which provide excellent views all around you. The views were amazing. My only my only issue was, I think I still prefer a balcony. And it's only for, for two reasons. Number one, the windows get you know a little dirty. Obviously, there's going to be some, every window gets dirty. And so you would always, you know, in terms of photos, there was always you know, a little bit of schmutz on the window, and that kind of made it a little more difficult. It's fine to look at, but your photos, you know, were a little. Eh. And then I honestly prefer the the open breeze, the fresh air you get from a balcony, and I would have preferred to have had that a couple different times. So you know, if I was gonna, would I rebook this room? Yeah, I didn't mind the room at all, but I certainly preferred a balcony just to you know, again, just out of personal preference. But that's just me on there. So, um, you know, it was a great room. I think it provided exactly what we needed from it. Plenty of living space for a family of four. It was a great choice. Actually, the 
secondary room for the kids. There were actually Pullman beds as well. So you could have actually fit four people in there. I'm not sure how comfortable they would have been, but <laughs> there are beds for four more people, for two more people in there. So you can really fit quite a bit. And the two ba bathrooms was, you know, really exquisite. So worked out really, really well. So on the cruise, you know, in terms of the ship itself, it's a ratings class ship. I've sailed on Brilliance many times. We've done reviews of Brilliance many times here on the podcast. And basically, if you've heard my review of Brilliance, you can just apply it to Serenade. The, the layout, the features are pretty much the same. Brilliance and Serenade are nearly identical in terms of what is offered on board. When Royal Caribbean upgraded both ships a number of years ago, both Brilliance and Serenade got a very similar upgrade. So you've got a pub on board. You've got, you know, the Solarium, obviously. They're, they're nearly interchangeable. It's the old style of Royal Caribbean cruise ships in many senses, but also in the sense that, you know, you can, you know, they're so similar to each other. There's not like, you know, you have Mariner or Navigator and Voyager of the seas, which are all Voyager class ships, but the amenities on board are significantly different. But I digress. It's a great ship. You know, there's not a ton to do on. There's not a ton of activities. You're not, this is not an Oasis class ship. So it wasn't like on sea days, we had like, super amount of things to choose from, but there was just enough to do. And quite frankly, I enjoyed a little bit of nap time, a little bit of relaxing. My kids refused to go in the pool. They thought it was ab absurd uh, to go in the pool or even the hot tub for that matter, being from Florida and being that the temperatures were in like, you know, the sixties or so. But, um, you know, I, I think maybe if we had done that second leg, they might've finally uh, gone into it, but we didn't take advantage of the pool at all. I stayed outside. I was, I really enjoyed being outdoors there was some great seating and if it was sunny out I'd sit outside in the sun otherwise I'd you know maybe sit on one of the chairs in the covered areas but I enjoyed the fresh air I mean uh, again being a Floridian this time of year in June summer is here it is hot it is humid it's gross out so I really enjoy just being outdoors you know um, certainly I put on a jacket and it felt I've, I was very comfortable let's put it that way it was not as freezing, as frigid as you might think. And I think that's one of the major misconceptions about Alaska cruises that people think, oh, you're going to be cold the whole time. No, you could be cold at certain times, but it's not nearly as cold as you might think. And if you go during, you know, certainly the warmer months, you know, mid-June through sometime in August, you're going to have some pretty warm temperatures. In most cases, again, we got really lucky with the weather as in it wasn't rainy and the sun came out, but there were many times in which we just didn't wear our jackets at all. We were wearing t-shirts because it was pretty warm. It was in the 70s. So don't assume that it's going to be, you're not going to the Arctic Circle. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it's very comfortable in that regard. But again, it's a good idea to you know invest in a good jacket. We all had some nice lightweight waterproof jackets. We'd wear sweatshirts underneath that if need be. So, you know, things were great. All right, let's talk about the actual cruise itself and talk about the ports we visited because the ports were really the highlight, the reason you go to Alaska, right? And, and I really enjoyed our time on board going to the different ports. I was really excited for them. Let's start off with Sitka. Sitka was our first port stop. I've never been to Sitka before. Sitka is the former capital of Alaska when the Russians owned it. And Sitka, uh, for this visit, we did a best of kind of tour. Uh, we had never been to Sitka before. And there was a tour that Royal Caribbean offered that sounded pretty cool. It was called The Taste of Sitka. And we started off going to a restaurant that offered us some fresh caught salmon that they literally cut in front of us, grilled it up, gave it to us. It was the best salmon I've ever had in my life. It was amazing. Even my daughter, my oldest daughter, who claims to hate fish, hate salmon, she tried it and she thought it was amazing. In addition, everybody got uh, some Alaskan beers to try. My wife doesn't drink beer, so 
I gladly took it upon myself to uh, <laughs> double fist some beers there, and it was a great uh, opportunity. But what was really cool was the chef, again, brought out this fresh-caught salmon, flayed it on the spot. We were able to have sashimi-grade salmon right there to enjoy. It was amazing. Uh, our next stop here on the tour was to the Sitka Maritime Center, where we learned about the salmon life cycles. Now, originally, the tour mentioned we went here to go to a touch tank so the kids could touch all these kind of you know, fish, which they did, they were able to do, but they spent a lot of time in the talk. Like there was this lady who was giving us the, like the Wikipedia entry on salmon, like their life cycles. It was just too long. Like, okay, I get it. Like, you know, sustainable fish, it's important, blah, blah, blah. But they spent way too much time talking about it and far too little time in the touch tanks. But, you know, the kids love the touch tanks. So I'm not going to, you know, poo-poo that all that much. And then lastly, they did a little uh, photo opportunity of the downtown and then we got dropped off downtown to be able to walk around, which is really what I was looking forward to. I love exploring the downtown area. Sitka has a beautiful downtown area. Lots of different shops. Went to a coffee shop, picked up some books for our kids, uh, saw some historical sites in downtown. It's a great little town to walk around. Really, really uh, beautiful. And since it had been like an hour since I ate something, one of my favorite places to visit, now one of my favorite places to visit, is a, is a food cart called The Fresh Fish. Uh, one of our local guides that writes for realcreamblog.com, Molly, recommended this, and I saw a sign for it, and this was fresh-caught salmon, uh, poke style, um, with, and it was just incredible, and I had it there, and let me tell you, if I could get that right now, I would love it. It was amazing. So, Sitka was a great port, really enjoyed sailing into here. It was beautiful. We had perfect weather. The nice thing about Sitka was we were able to dock. Radiance of the Seas was also here, but Radiance had to tender over so being able to dock was really nice the only problem was radiance was tendering right downtown whereas we had to take a short complimentary bus ride from where we docked over to downtown it was a very short ride but you know it's not quite dropping you off right in the town there but it was a beautiful little town um you know it, it, it i would love to go back again our next port day was juno port i've been to before but we had 12 hours actually a little more than 12 hours to spend in juno which is incredible that we were there for quite that long but it was awesome so for this day, we booked through Royal Caribbean a self-guided Jeep rental, which basically we got a two-door Jeep. There was four seats. The kids just had to push forward the seats. And uh, there was basically an iPad on the on the dashboard. And it was, you just hit the play button and it would guide you. It was GPS and a narration. And you could turn off the narration if you wanted. The kids actually really enjoyed the narration. But it took you all around Juno. And we had, basically it was two and a half hour or two, two and a half hours of driving and two to two and a half hours of time to explore on your own. So basically, you could stop somewhere and then walk around and, you know, you had to account for your time. There was a half-day rental. And what's nice about it compared to if you rented this through, you know, Avis or something like that, besides the fact that they provided the narration and the guide, was that it was just super simple. Like, you know, I, I imagine that if I had driven this thing off a cliff, I just would have been like, here's the keys. It's over there in the water. You know, see you later. Um, the it, it was just the flexibility, obviously. Not necessarily the cheapest rental out there, but... You know, it was really cool. So what was nice about it was it took us uh, all around. For Our first stop was Mendenhall Glacier Park, which we had been to before, but we wanted to spend some time here and do the hike again. We went to Nuggets Falls Trail, which takes you to uh, Nuggets Falls, and you can see the Mendenhall Glacier. Again, picture perfect, beautiful day. It was incredible. I had joked with my kids, if I had my if I had, had my bathing suit with me, on with me, I would have gone swimming in the water. It was just a fabulous day. It was absolutely beautiful. It's a great, if you've never been to Juno, go to Mendenhall Glacier Park. It is something you do on your own. It's really easy. 
It's beautiful. It's impressive. Kids will love it. I highly recommend that quite a bit. So we did the hike. Uh, the kids complained about the hike. <laughs> they were like, this is too long. So we got back in the car. It was like a nice drive. The nice thing about the car, by the way, was that we do these hikes and the kids would get tired, but then we would get back in the car and the time in which it would take to get to the next stop would allow them to rest and relax in the car a little bit. So our next stop was Eagle Beach, which was also another recommendation from our local guide, Molly, about where to go. Eagle Beach is actually a beach on a pretty large lake, I'm pretty sure. And it was incredible because it's surrounded by all these mountains and you can just walk around on your own. There were wildflowers growing. It was, I mean, I think my wife and I agreed if we could have brought like lawn chairs and just like hung out there, we would have done that. It was really, really nice. Really, really cool. Also, we saw our first bear uh, just along the highway. We were just driving and my wife spotted it right on the side of the road. So thank goodness it was Alaska. There's no traffic around. I just hit the brakes, backed up came a little closer to the bear. The bear checked us out and was like, all right, you guys are weird. I'm going to go back in the woods now. But it was pretty cool. We saw a bear there. Uh, and then there were different areas, you know, in the tour that they took us. Um, we, we stopped at a couple different, you know, uh, picturesque areas. I really enjoyed the Jeep tour. Was nice as it got us an opportunity to see a lot of different things. And it, it was it was cool. I, the, the narration was a little much. My Actually, my oldest daughter liked the narration. She thought it was really fascinating. But... I generally enjoyed it. I think it was a it was really well done. Um, it was a great way to see Juno. You know, the nice thing, especially if you're new to a place like Juno, you don't know what you want to see yet. It gave you just enough time to do everything. I would prefer to have had the Jeep for all day, but you know, there, and that was an option. But I think when I booked it, it was either sold out or I didn't, or I thought maybe that would have been too much. But anyway, um, you know, it was it was a great tour. I really enjoyed that. So we returned the Jeep. It was only one p.m. So I had like I don't know seven hours to go. So we were hungry at this point. And we went back into downtown Juneau. Uh, we found a great little restaurant, actually a bar that had fire pits. And next to it was a food truck. So we sat by a fire pit and uh, had, I had beers and my wife had a beer. And uh, the kids, we had quesadillas from a, Me nothing says Juno like quesadillas, but we had, a, we had some Mexican food from a food cart. It was really good. And then we just explored Juneau. They have a great downtown area. South Franklin Street has a lot of shops. And, you know, we did a little bit of shopping. Now, our plan was to eat dinner in Juneau because we were there for that. We were there pretty long, but we decided just to go back to the ship because it was really difficult to find like a restaurant. Like we wanted to have something that wasn't a bar and it was very difficult to find something that wasn't just like a bar food. Like we wanted to have like a restaurant experience and there must be restaurants in Juneau, but I couldn't find any that were in downtown or, or I'm sure they were elsewhere. But, you know, we wanted like. I don't know, something more local, something more like, hey, the, here's some, you know, local food that you can eat. And we just couldn't really find, there were plenty of carts, like food carts. We didn't want that. We wanted like a sit down restaurant, just couldn't find it. And it started getting a little, not rainy, but it was misty and we were tired and we're like, you know what? Que sera, sera, we'll, we'll just, you know, go, we'll go back to the ship. And, uh, but we had a great time in Juno. It was, again, perfect weather, really nice. Um, if you're going to Juneau, Mendenhall Glacier Park, you've got to do that. And honestly, if I went back tomorrow, I'd still probably go back to Mendenhall Glacier. It was that good. All right, our next stop, we actually did, it was a double stop. I've never done this before. This is where we had two different ports in one day. Our first was Skagway, Alaska, which I'd been to before. And Skagway, they have a downtown area. They have some hiking. Um, the border with Canada was not open for the, um, the train tour. So we decided initially we were going to do another hike, 
And uh, we went to go do the hike on the Dewey Lake Trail system. I has read some really good things about Dewey Lake and getting there. Unfortunately, the trail was like super intense. Like, I mean, there was elevation. It was rocky. It was not an easy hike. And about halfway through it, my wife and kids gave up. And I, I can't blame them. I mean, it was I would have preferred. I think we could have made it, but it was not an easy hike. So we decided to bail on that. We went back downtown, walked a little bit downtown, and then we we found an, a much easier hike to Yakutunia Point, uh, Y-A-K-U-T-A-N-I-A. This is a, actually, if you go, if you walk to the, from downtown, you walk to the airport, which is really close, and then across a bridge, there's a really easy hike. Uh, and basically, this trail runs parallel to where the cruise ships dock, but it's across the river, and it brings you to a wonderful picturesque spot. Kids loved it. My kids just, I think, it's not so much they like hiking. They like climbing. They like big rocks and getting on top of them and going to the top, see where it leads. We really enjoyed that. It was a really, really nice uh, place. Uh, for lunch, we went to Skagway Brewing, which is, uh, of course, a brewery, and they also have a restaurant up there. Um, again, we had some typical Alaska food. Almost we consider my kids chicken tenders to be Alaska food, which it's not. But, but we had, a again, beautiful day. And then we got back on the ship. Just enough time for like a nap. I think it was like the transit was like an hour or two. And then we were over in Haines. I've never been to Haines before. Haines is a, a very small town. It's a very picturesque town. It's a small town that had built a port. And um, this was a, a place that we wanted to just walk around in. Again, just imagine small Alaska town that you visit. So Skagway, Juneau, these are cities. These are like, hey, huge tourist infrastructure. This not so much. And we just walked around. Got off the ship, went to their downtown area. There was a restaurant in there that we went to. Uh, there was a brewery. My kids were on board. We left them on board the ship with a phone. We we're like, all right, we'll be back in a couple hours. So we uh, went to uh, the uh, Bamboo Room at the Pioneer Bar for dinner. Then we went to the uh, brewery. There was a uh, there's a distillery and a brewery. We went to the brewery first and had some, you know, listen, when in, when in Rome, you've got to have, you know, the local stuff. And Alaska beer is really good. If you're a beer lover, uh, definitely check out the local brews. It's really, really good. So we had a nice time there, you know, just kind of relaxing, taking it easy. And then on the way back, uh, there was a lady who was I, not yelling like in a battle, like, hey, she was, you know, just telling people, hey, if you want, you know, we've got local seafood um, from fishermen over here. Now, I just eaten an hour or two before this, but I am a sucker for local food. Like, I mean, if if I could have eaten a smorgasbord, but if somebody tells me that I've got local food here, I'm probably going to stop in for something. And Sure enough, there was this couple that had a food truck that they had started. It's called the Frog Lady Fish Company. And uh, started talking to her, um, and 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 her name was uh, Tracy, and her husband's name is Gabe. Uh, Gabe is a uh, Lingit who's one of the uh, native uh, folks there who's who's from the First Nations from Alaska. And his family had been there for, you know, obviously generations. Tracy was, I think, from Ohio. Anyway, they lived there. And they started the food truck because they had a connection with the local fishermen there to offer this fresh fish. And I I sampled the salmon and the halibut, and it was absolutely outstanding. Like, I mean, it was incredible. Nothing, there's nothing that beats fresh food, but this was really incredible. And so if you're ever in Haines, you've got to stop by this. It's right by the post office. They did a great job with their food. I mean, it was, and I was just talking to Gabe for a little while. We were kind of shooting the breeze and talking about. Alaska and, and tourism and, and all this. And it was really incredible to hear about from a local who lives there. I mean, Haines was, I got to tell you, it was very pretty. I mean, it was, just, it's a small little town set against the mountains. It was, um, 
I, I was really impressed by the town. I, I, I think my wife and I agreed that if it wasn't a huge pain in the butt, we would have bought a house there. Like, that would been, like, a cool spot to spend summers in. I mean, no pun intended. But, like, you know, it was just really, really nice. But I loved, you know, the, the stop. So the ports in all, you know, four ports, three days. I was really impressed by all of them. Um, I think my favorite, well, food-wise, it was definitely Hanes. Juno just has so much going on that I really like that. So I think from that standpoint, I'd rank them, you know, probably Juno, Haynes, Sitka, Skagway in that order. But there's so much to do there. That's the great thing about Alaska. You can come back and do something totally different uh, on your next visit there. Uh, on day six, we had our glacier viewing, which meant we we're going to go up Tracy Arm and check out the glacier there. Unfortunately, there was just too much ice. So when we got close to the glacier itself, uh, Sawyer Glacier. The captain came on the PA system to inform us that we would not be able to get any closer. We have to turn back due to the ice in the water, which was disappointing. I was lucky that I was able to check it out. I mean, obviously, you got to wake up early on, on Glacier Day to be able to see the glaciers. Um, that's just, you know, it's just the luck of the draw. But that's also why I was even more happy that we saw Mendenhall Glacier when we were in Juneau. So at least we, we saw something. But it would have been nice if we could have seen that. But that's just, you know, it is what it is kind of thing. So overall... Alaska was incredible. As I mentioned earlier, uh, by day seven, I was really not feeling good, and I actually ended up catching COVID. I'm not sure where I caught it from. I think I got it either in port or maybe even from the airport. I mean, it can take up to 12 days for symptoms to appear. Um, I was very safe and, and you know, I, in terms of onboard the ship. Um, I'll talk more about COVID in next week's podcast episode. I, I didn't want to like jam like two major things into one episode here, so we'll talk about that more next week. Uh, so unfortunately, our back-to-back -back didn't happen, but I was glad that we at least got the six days in on, on the first part of this and we were able to still see Alaska. I would prefer to have to spend another week there, but Alaska is incredible. If you haven't been, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. If you haven't been, you must go. It is, I don't care that it's not hot. I don't care. It's not, a, there's no beaches like the Caribbean. You've got to go. It is so impressive. And if you're from North America, if you live in the United States or Canada, it's so much easier to get over there. Uh, I, I just can't say enough good things about it. Granted, we had amazing weather, and I'm sure when we go back to Alaska next time, we'll not get that lucky with the weather. But it was it was just everything I had hoped that it would be, and even more, quite frankly. And um, I, I really loved it. Serenade of the Seas, it's a great ship. You know, being a Radiance-class ship, you know, again, it's not an overwhelming amount of things to do. You're not going to find a ton of activities on board. There are things happening. I don't think you'll be bored necessarily. But if your goal is to go on a ship that, you know, has a ton of activities and things to do, you know, maybe a Quantum-class ship out of Seattle might be a better choice for you. But if you're saying, I want to see Alaska, Matt, and I want to see the best of Alaska, then a Radiance-class ship out of Vancouver is definitely the right choice for you. Time to answer some listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I answer the emails you've sent in about Royal Caribbean. If you want to send me your email, you can always do this by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, and just put in the subject line podcast question. Our first email is from Chris Arecadera, who's uh, been on the podcast before with us. Hi, Matt. We have a cruise coming up in August on Explore the Seas with 11 of us cruising together. I have two questions that I'm sure you've answered before, but here we go. We'd like to make a reservation for CHOPs celebrate a birthday in our group, but it seems like we can't make a reservation for a group more than 10 on the cruise planner. How can we go about making a reservation to celebrate? Well, that's a good question. I'm running this problem myself. Uh, one option, obviously, is to wait till you get on board the ship, Chris, and go speak to them. You'll probably be okay in that. 
there is the risk that it might sell out beforehand. I mean, accommodating, you know, a group larger than 10 can be a bit of an issue. You know, part of me says you should make a reservation for 10 at least, but I think probably, Chris, your best bet to ensure that you're all together is to wait till you get on board the ship. Um, you know, Chops isn't necessarily the hottest ticket on board the ship, so I think you'll be okay. And Chris, secondly, secondly, we'd also like to rent a cabana at Nelly's Beach because our group of 11 would be over the eight people max. Would we be able to rotate people in and out and only having eight there at a time thanks to the help? I, I think so. I mean, you know, generally speaking, they're pretty cool about it, especially if you're doing what you're saying. You're not having 11 people there at a time. You're just rotating people in and out of there. You're not, you're being, you know, respectful of other people around you. You're not making a lot of noise. You're not being, basically you're not disturbing people around you. I think that'd be fine. Um, yeah, I can't promise you that that'll be the case. I certainly might, you know, tip your cabana attendant and be like, hey, appreciate your understanding in this. But I think you'll probably be okay as long as you're not causing any kind of issues there. Uh, good luck with that, Chris, though. It's one of those things where, again, just because Matt says something doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be the case, but wanted to let you know about that. Next is an email from Victor Martin. Hi, neighbor. My wife and I are taking our family cruise uh, with two teens, ages 18 and 14, on an eight-night Mariner of the Seas cruise. We booked one balcony, one interior cabin. Cabins are close, but of course not connecting. Because of our kids' age, as you know, my wife and I had to split, me with one and one wife with the other, but obviously that's not how we're going to be occupying them. So are, they, are we going to be able to play musical C-pass cards on the cruise? Meaning, can I pass the cards around every time one wants to go in their cabin? Can Royal Caribbean make us a copy? without invalidating the originals. Bear in mind, we purchased ultimate drink package for us and refreshing package for them. Victor, actually, it's a lot easier. You don't have to do any of that stuff. So here's what you do, Victor. You keep everything the way it is. You get on board the ship, go to guest services, let them know what you're doing. They will reissue you new C-Pass cards with the right people in the right cabins, Victor. So don't worry too much about the fact that your kids are in one cabin. We've done this many, many times. They're totally understanding about that. So just go to guest services, let them know what you're doing, and they'll reissue you C-Pass cards. You don't have to, you know, continually pass around cards or anything like that. Next is an email from Michelle. I love your podcast. It makes my commute in the Chicago traffic a bit more enjoyable when I can listen to musings about cruising. My husband and I are planning on booking a December 2022 cruise seven-night sailing out of Anthem on Cape Liberty. And we're on the fence about booking a suite for Coastal Kitchen or purchasing the ultimate dining package. In the past, we've looked at Coastal Kitchen for both the food and the service, but also enjoy the specialty dining offerings and don't have the budget to do both. I know Royal Caribbean offers a two or three night dining restaurant package, but we're looking specifically for in the unlimited dining for Freedom of the Seas. In your opinion, is it better to have access to Coastal Kitchen or the ultimate dining package be a more lucrative option to consider? Well, um, that's a really good question because, uh, you know, which one to choose. Now, I am biased. Uh, the, I am not the world's biggest Coastal Kitchen fan. Nothing against it. It's just not my favorite. We, per, I say we, my wife and I, prefer specialty dining. Um, so because I'm biased, I would say you're better for, you're better off with the unlimited dining package. I think it provides you more variety. I think it provides you uh, a, a good value. And if it's cheaper than upgrading to a suite, then it's a better overall value for you altogether. Um, you know, it kind of depends also how much more is it to move up to a suite how much you know? There, there, there's some subjective considerations to be to 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 think about. Ultimately, uh, if it were me, I would do the ultimate dining package personally. I'm sure there's some people who think I'm crazy for not doing Coastal Kitchen. Again, if it was like you know a thousand, two thousand dollars, move up to a suite to get access to Coastal Kitchen, I'm not sure that's just worth it for purely that reason, right? There are other benefits to Coastal Kitchen to being in a suite in general besides you know Coastal Kitchen, uh, like the concierge. And the suite and the suite lounge, which I would value significantly higher than 
Coastal Kitchen because of the complimentary alcohol and the services provided to you by the concierge. But again, it depends on how much. But on the surface, I would definitely lean towards specialty dining package. Uh, again, that's just my personal preference right there. Next, we have an email from Aaron Ross. Hi, Matt. Coincidentally, I am considering booking Alaska for May 2023. You posted the best cruise deals for next year. Thanks for that. I was considering a quantum of the sea sailing, but know some unfavorable reviews due to the catering to the Chinese market. Instead, I might consider Ovation. Any thoughts on this? Quantum versus Ovation. You know, people that I've talked to that have been on both this year have said that there's really not much of a difference at all. Ovation is a little bit newer. You make an argument there, but really it's it's not, don't read too much about the fact that Quantum was in Asia. Uh, it's still very much an enjoyable experience here in the US. So uh, Aaron, I don't think I would look at it that way. If Quantum is cheaper, I would definitely go in that direction. And our last email today is from Tim McLean from Fort Worth, Texas. Thank you for your dedication to the podcast. I've listened to every episode and I've learned a great deal. When I go on a week-long cruise, it's very easy for me to put anywhere from 10 to 15 pounds on by the end of the cruise. I really enjoy the variety of food and drinks, certainly indulge in all of it. Listening to the podcast, I realize you enjoy it as much as if not more than I do. As often as you cruise, how are you able to keep the weight off? And when you do back-to-back -back cruises, how do you avoid putting on another 20 pounds or more? We're doing two seven-night cruises this summer with two weeks in between, and I'm very concerned about fully enjoying them at the same time while trying to avoid gaining a great deal of weight. I don't recall you ever addressing the subject on the podcast. I'm very interested in your opinion. Tim's a great question. Number one, um, it's, 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 a, it's a great point. I do enjoy indulging a lot. I try to, I've learned over the years to try to eat uh, more so the way I eat at home. Uh, the biggest culprit I've always found is snacking. It's not so much the meals like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's the slice of pizza and then the cookie and then this and that and that, right? It, it adds up certainly. So I try to limit that as much as possible. I also uh, try to sample more than anything. You know, there are certain dishes I'll order and I'll say, well, I'm just gonna have a sample of this, a nibble of that. And other ones I say, I'm finishing this whole thing, right? So don't be afraid to walk away from food if you're not, you know, it's okay to do that. Uh, you don't have to finish, you don't have to be part of the clean plate club uh, necessarily in order to, <laughs> uh, you know, when you, when you dine at any restaurant. So depending on what the item is, that's number one. Number two, I try to make better choices for myself. You know, I often, uh, I almost always, you know, order Indian curries. Indian curries are not only tasty, but they're a lot better for you because they're almost always, not always, but you know, a lot of them are vegetable based. Um, they're, they're, they're lighter foods, right? Sushi, another light food. So I try to make better choices, more like eat this than that kind of situation. And I'm not claiming to be, you know, if you go on a cruise with me, you'll see, I don't, you know, just eat pieces of lettuce and call it a day. I indulge, but I try to, um, I try to limit it as much as I can and just make, you know, try to think to myself, what would I be eating at home? Um, you know, and not try to change my patterns all too much. Uh, that's been my strategy. Also, I moved away from, you know, the, in terms of alcohol, which I do enjoy on cruise, you know, I moved away from like pina coladas and those heavy drinks to more of the liquor and, you know, uh, Coke kind of drinks. So that way it's a little lighter, not much, you know, trust me, I understand what, what alcohol does and, you know, changes into sugar, which changes, in, you know, we all know that, but, um, I just try to make as healthy a choice as I can at all times, try to avoid snacking in between. That's basically my best strategy. Hopefully that answers your question there. Tim, thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Green blog podcast. If I can answer your email, be sure to email to Matt at RoyalCarmineBlog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, -T, at RoyalCarmineBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.